Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a slew of books that have come out this very week. And we're going to kick it off with a special one. Batman Dear Detective, number one from DC Comics, written by Lee Bermejo. And this is a very unique project because it is covers that Bermejo has done for Batman that he has organized into a story and added new text pages of a serial killer who is terrifying Gotham and trying to taunt Batman the entire time. What do you think about this, Pete? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. I think it's a cool idea, fun execution. I mean, the arts, you know, the real, uh, the real good kind of important part about this. And it's a, it's kind of a very goonish kind of gritty take on Batman, uh, very muscly and dark. Um, I mean, he did the ropes around his hands, which is kind of like a Muay Thai type of like badass thing to do that like protects your wrist, but really hurts your opponent. I mean, that's, uh, it was banned. You know what I mean? Uh, but I think it's, uh, it's a great idea. I think it was cool that DC, uh, did this. And I think it's just like, you know, I mean, the, Comics are just still images anyway, so to just to kind of have like every panel be treated like a cover is a is an interesting idea. Well, they were covers. They were covers that he created that he organized into a story, and that's right. the thing that no, I think I, I heard you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and that's the thing that I think is really interesting because we've seen cover collections before, and to be perfectly honest, even though you know it's always nice to look at them. As a comic book fan, I don't always have an impetus to go and pick up a cover collection, even if I dearly love the artist like I do. Lee Bermeo's work, particularly on Batman, is gorgeous and detailed yeah. throughout. But this gives it that extra added value that makes it to a story that it's a psychological thing a little bit, but it really bumps it up a next level to feel a little more necessary, a little more important. So just for that calculated way, it's very smartly done and very smartly executed. And the other thing that's fun, which I won't spoil here, but there is a mystery villain who is taunting Batman. And if you read the clues on the text pages carefully, you find out who that is at the end. You can kind of go back, add in some of the clues and figure it out. Uh, so that's a little added bonus puzzle as well. But overall, this is a really great package. It's a reward and- for for reading, which is nice, exactly. you know what I mean? Because uh, someone like me, who's just going to read the covers and not uh, uh, just going to look at the covers and not do any of the reading, it's uh, you know, it's too bad because you know you would be missing out on such a fun reveal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They say you can't judge a book by its cover, but here the covers are judging the book. 
Well, I was just nope. going to say the covers uh, are the book. And the covers are the book. Yeah, that's better. Okay, I'll check yeah. that again. They say you can't judge a book by the cover, but here the covers are the book. So you can judge it. So so judging it positively. <laughs> you killed it. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm glad we script these out in yeah, advance. Yeah, Let's yeah. move on and talk about Alien Number 1 from Marvel, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Julius Ota. This guy... <laughs> Phil Kennedy, no, oh, Phil yeah, Kennedy yeah. Johnson. I mean, can he do anything wrong with this stuff? Holy crap. So this is, even with the number one, still a continuation of the previous Alien book, though it starts with a new arc. Uh, the uh, spoilers here, since yeah. uh, it, it slowly unfolds what the actual plot of the thing is, but we start off on a ideal community that, of course, gets ruined by Wayland Yutani, and then a bunch of elite androids are sent to retrieve some information from there by the end of the issue. Even though I get kind of annoyed with the renumbering thing, I thought this was great. Just another great story. In the alien saga that he is crafting, I'm loving reading these. Yeah, I mean, uh, numbering is a real pet peeve of mine, but this book is really such a cool idea of like, you know, we've seen a lot of different things, but kind of like set, uh, setting up this super team to go in there is uh, interesting and new. And um, I'm uh, I'm interested in to see how this goes. This does a great job of of letting you know what's up and getting you excited for what's to come. And Philip County Johnson has been just absolutely killing it lately. And this is just another example of him uh, being an amazing writer. I mean, we've seen alien everything at this point. So the fact that, uh, bless you, the fact that we can still get great stories and fresh takes on this is pretty amazing. Yeah, this is really expanding the mythology in a big way, which is something that I didn't necessarily expect. A lot of the alien stuff always seems to play it safe with the same sort of, here's yeah. the military, they come in, it messes up with the alien, and we got that in some different and unique ways for the first couple of arcs, but this is taking some big swings here in terms of the universe, and I really appreciate that. Let's move on and talk about Antioch, number one, from Image Comics, written by Patrick Kinlan, art by Marco Ferrari. This is a continuation of their Frontiersman series, though mostly focusing on a new character. Pete, what would you think about this? I really like this. I thought that this was very cool. I like this whole idea of, you know, maybe this person has a past, you know, and uh, he's like, Lots no, of people have a past. Well, I'm just saying, like, maybe he could have been, you know, royalty and just lived up in a castle somewhere and collected money. But this guy's like, no, dude, I'm all about that pirate life. And uh, I want to go and, and wreck shit and uh, kind of make the world a better place. So uh, fun, great, very kind of uh, stylized and unique. I, I love the character designs. This is some great art, uh, fun setup of the premise in a great way that is a first issue really gets you excited for more i think this really totally delivers and uh yeah i was really impressed with this yeah i don't know if it's as clean of a break as going from say ascender to descender but it feels like a very similar sort of thing in terms of okay we had this one book frontiersman and now we're flipping it to the other side and showing you a new character in this world they do cut back to frontiersman who is currently in jail and show you where he is and what's going on with yeah, him yeah just in case you care you know what i mean in yeah, case yeah. you're a big frontiersman uh, head you know what i mean 
But it works really nicely here. I enjoy this world, and I'm excited to read more about this character. Here's another character that I'm excited to read more about, Poison Ivy, number four from DC Comics, written by G. Willow Wilson, art by Morcio Takara. In this issue, as with every issue, Poison Ivy is kind of doing her incredible Hulk thing, going from town to town, solving mysteries, going on adventures. Here she is taking care of an abusive boss, who has been sexually harassing his employees, maybe striking up a flirtation with somebody new. Pete, how'd you feel about this? Well, uh, first off, just uh, this is so much fun seeing Poison Ivy kind of roll out her kind of big uh, plan here. Uh, the the art is bananas great. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's just absolutely bananas great. I mean, this is such a fun look at Poison Ivy and what uh, this character can do and is about. I'm really enjoying this kind of Poison Ivy uh, artistic take. I think it's just such a cool idea and they're doing such a great job. Every issue of this so far has been a banger story and yeah, evil bosses should die horribly. And I think that this does a great job of embracing that. You know what I mean? Well, Pete, I gotta say, damn your bananas. This is good. Okay. Hey, call there back. There you go. Oh, uh, yeah, this is a great book. Like you said, it's very dark. It doesn't shy away from that darkness. At this point, I don't know how we're going to get out of the situation with Poison Ivy. And from a dramatic yeah, perspective, I'm worried. Uh, that's a great place to be. You don't usually feel that with a Batman or Batman adjacent story. Um, loving what's going on here. Loving the amount of emotion that G. Willow Wilson puts into the arc and the character. Harley sort of being this dream supporting character going throughout this book is so great as well. And really fun kiss in this as well. Good. You love a good kiss. There's nothing like it. All Out Avengers, number one from Marvel, written by Derek Landy, art by Greg Land. It's the Land team back together again. (laughs) And in this book, we are plopped in the middle of a situation involving the Avengers taking down a new villain that we've never seen before. But that's part of the concept. There's a mystery going on in the background, exactly what's going on with the Avengers, who is controlling them. I certainly have my suspicions about it. But like... Was it nonstop Spider-Man that came out recently? This is basically the all-action, all-the-time Avengers. That's the idea here. So, Pete, how did this strike you? Well, like a good improv scene, you want to start in the middle of action, you know. So this was a great kind of uh, start to this where shit's already gone down and we're just kind of catching up with our heroes mid-action. Uh, this was cool. This was, uh, you know, it's it's always tough to see somebody you like who's maybe taken over or, or some kind of evil thing is going on with them. So that's a little concerning. But I uh, loved all the action, loved the cast of characters that we got on this. So uh, this is fun. Next up, Shock Shop, number one from Dark Horse Comics, written by Cullen Bunn, art by Danny Lucker. This is framed as sort of a Tales from the Crypt style anthology series, though with the promise that we're going to see some continuing stories here. We had two of them in the first issue. They're pretty horrific, and I dug both of them. Pete, you're not the biggest horror guy, though. How'd you feel about this? This is creepy, man. This is some creepy stuff, but I appreciate creatively what's going on here. I mean, uh, uh, creepy cat and fire stories, uh, no thank you. 
Uh, we're out in the middle of woods. Not the fucking time. All right. Uh, but um, I when think that, is the time for creepy campfire stories? When, when, when all it? the lights are on and you're in a sealed room that nobody can get in or out of. Okay. Uh, okay. So just to just to reiterate, if you're ever with Pete, he would like to be in a hermetically sealed room and start a fire with you. So no, I, ahead, I, I would just like that's the appropriate time to tell scary stories. But you're going to start a fire. How's the smoke going to get out, Pete? I don't know about the fire. You said the fire. I don't know. I mean, we got to have a way to make marshmallows and s'mores and stuff. But uh, anyways, we're getting sidetracked here. Collection of two (laughs) creepy-ass stories. Um, uh, The second one, I really appreciated the twist at the end, the reveal. Um, Man, there's nothing worse than a fucked-up horror story. But, you know, uh, the bun uh, has been writing for a long time and has got a ton of ideas. And this is well-executed. It's like I always say, I don't want none until unless it's got bun, hun. You know what I'm talking about, Peter? Yeah, that Colin Bun. You know what I mean? He's yeah, a good yeah. runner. Flashpoint Beyond, number five from DC Comics, written by Jeff Johns, Tim Sheridan, and Jeremy Adams, art by Zerbatico and Mikel Janine. In this issue, we're getting some big answers about what has been going on with this series, why Flashpoint is back, what is potentially going to happen next. This is something that I've been waiting to see since the first issue, and I was happy to see how it turned out. There's still more mysteries and action to come, but like we've been talking about every issue, not the biggest fan of Flashpoint, but I'm really digging what they're doing in this series, and the art in particular is gorgeous. Pete, what about you? Yeah, I don't like this world, this Flashpoint world, uh, but this is an interesting story and great art, and uh, you know I think they're doing it in a way that is intriguing. So even people like myself who have their arms crossed and being like, "Yeah, but I hate this," I'm still reading the shit out of it. So uh, I, I, I'm interested to see how this is all going to wrap up or how this is going to unfold. Whether I give it a full like, "Holy crap, you got to check this out," but so far I'm enjoying it, which is very surprising. The only quibble that I will throw out there with this issue, which is something that we've talked about innumerable amounts of times over the course of this podcast, is in this issue, it takes place after Dark Crisis, which is another one of those annoying quirks of the nonstop schedule that printing happens on. It's happened with Marvel. It's happened with DC. It always happens with these crossovers. When things get held up or things change, of course, I know the heroes are going to come out fine from Dark Crisis, but I don't want to read about that in another comic on the same reason, on the same week that Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths number four comes out. It's like, yeah, we made it out of there and these things changed, but anyway, moving on. So that was a point of frustration for me. That's not necessarily a knock on the book so much as. I wish comics didn't work like this, you know, <laughs> but I, uh, I've been reading them long enough and we've been talking about them long enough that probably I'd be to get over that. <laughs> Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty, number four for Marvel, written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, art by Carmen Carnero. And this issue, Steve Rogers is grappling with the revelations he's learned about his shield, that the uh, shield has been the tool and signal of a organization who's been working against everything that he holds dear. In this issue, he fights back against that in a big way. I love this book. 
I love this issue. There are not only amazing action moments, but it gets to the core of what makes Captain America special and hits it in two incredibly emotional moments that happen over the course of the issue. When I would say in most comics, you get that once every six issues, you know, something like that. Like the fact that it nailed it twice here blew me away. I love this, like I said, but what about you, Pete? How are you feeling? Um, I think this was a, a, a really smart thing that they did with this whole kind of like Steve Rogers knowing, you know, spoilers, but knowing he's being tailed and kind of catering towards the the fight before it happens, which is such an interesting thing that just kind of raises the stakes of anything. Um, yeah, I think that there's some really great emotional cap stuff in here, which is always great. Um, it's also this thing of dissecting the shield and then the kind of like big bad that they're fighting also kind of looks like a uh, little bit of a metal that maybe the shield was before it got painted. So there's a lot going on here and it's interesting to see how it's all going to unravel and pay off. Well, and I also just love the metaphorical idea that they're not too subtle about, about what we as Americans think of the American flag and think of the stars and stripes yeah. the idea that they don't really deal with this costume, but Captain America runs around with the stars and the stripes. That's something that throughout his history that he's dealt with, he's rejected at various points when America feels about it and really digging into this issue of what do different Americans that are feeling disillusioned about America, the government feel about the stars and stripes and how do you stay hopeful about that? Again, that's what Captain America is all about. So the fact that they're able to encapsulate that so brilliantly in an issue that looks really good, the art is smooth and clean and the action is great, but also is heartfelt, was very, very impressive to me. Cool. Let's talk about The Dead Lucky, number two, from Image Comics, written by Melissa Flores, art by French Carlo Magno. This is part of the massive universe that includes Radiant Black and others. Here we're getting the fallout of the big fight that happened in the first issue with our Beck pilot and a couple of other characters. What do you think about this? This is cool. I love the it's it's very stylized and very kind of uh, image in a way. And I'm enjoying uh, the kind of different pockets that we're getting to kind of explore of this universe. Um, yeah, I mean, really great. Art and fun panel design. Uh, yeah, I'm in, I'm in, intrigued and, and I want more, damn it. I am very interested to find out how these all fit together. They yeah. seem to be heading towards some sort of event down the road. This, the implication here is this may take place in the same world as Radiant Black, and I'm not 100% sure how that works. But I'm I'm enjoying all of these books. They feel, like you said, like classic image books. And if you want to get on board something new that feels fun, um, Dead Lucky is one to check out. Yeah. The new champion of Shazam, number two from DC Comics, written by Juicy Campbell, art by Evan Doc Shaner. Mary Marvel is now the new champion of Shazam. She's trying new to balance champion. school and her family and new enemies attacking her, all the while having Evan Doc Shaner's art, which is damn your bananas good, to use the term again, Pete, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did I use I it properly? 
Uh, not really, but yeah, I mean, you okay. give it the right emphasis, uh, but I, I really appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh, I Yeah, I would call this Soup's Adorb. I mean, this is really great art and kind of a fun uh, dive into this character and uh, uh, the way they kind of did the 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 world building and the art to kind of support it. It's, it, it all really fits nicely together. So, uh, yeah. I'm really enjoying this. I'm having a blast reading this. There's a light, fun tone to hear. Yeah. Which you get from having a magic rabbit who's talking to somebody as their sidekick. It's just very enjoyable. And like I said, Evan Doc Shader's art is unimpeachable. Let's talk about the one you want to talk about, Pete. Punisher number six for Marvel, Woo-hoo-hoo! written by Jason Aaron. Art All by right, how Houston. much time we got left? Let's go. We got five hours. Jesus yeah. Saez and Paul Azaceda in this issue. It's the Punisher versus war, literal war. Ari is the god of war as he flashes back through his history. And uh, some big, gross stuff goes down by the end of the issue. Take it away, Pete. All right. So this is just, all right, all right. Crazy, bananas, unbelievable. I mean, we're learning so much about the Punisher in this uh, Jason Aaron run. This is just... I mean, this whole thing about like him being drunk at a bar when he was supposed to meet his wife is bananas information. Uh, I do love this whole thing about like going up against the god of war and what the god of war like thinks of the Punisher and how highly he regards him is such an interesting idea. Um, uh, yeah, it's just really, really kind of cool and interesting to have all this happening at once. Like, we're learning about Frank in new ways. We're having him fight battles that he's never fought before, while we're also seeing him not only when he was younger, but also, like, when he just joined up. Um, Very, very interesting. I am just, uh, like, each issue of this just... The anticipation before I read it is huge. And then just the, oh, shit, I oh, wow, this is so cool. Oh, I didn't even. Uh, so I'm enjoying the crap out of this. The art is bananas great. And uh, I'm just, um, yeah, I can't get enough of this. And it's like as soon as I finish it, I wish there was more to read. So I can wait, though, because I'm enjoying it every single issue of it. Um I'm not going to tell somebody wait for the trade because it's too good to wait. How do you feel about Ares wearing Punisher's symbol in this issue? I, I think it's hilarious, and I think it's like a fun choice. You know what I mean? It says a lot about everything that's going on. You know what I mean? <clears throat> I thought this was great as well. Love this issue. It's because he's mocking him mm-hmm. of what he's become a little bit. You know what I mean? It's a like, little bit. Uh, I love that. I love the art here. Love the flashbacks. Like I've said, every issue, they're doing a phenomenal job of reinventing the Punisher. And the cliffhanger at the end was a total oh shit moment. Yeah. Yeah. Can I I spoil it? Actually, I want to give a spoiler warning here because I want to talk about something in specific with this. So the end of the issue after Punisher has... Gone through this whole fight with Ares, lost, died, and come back thanks to the hand and discovered that his children have been resurrected as horrible monsters and had to kill them off paddle, which is harrowing and emotional and horrifying. He throws up outside and who shows up 
none other than Daredevil and says, Frank, what are you doing? Yeah, like, and, what the fuck, bro? Which is a lot to say, the Punisher, because it's like, at any point, you could kind of say that to him. But at well, this so point, here's the thing. We've talked about this a lot on the podcast, the idea that Daredevil is taking over the, uh, what? what? What is he taking over? The fist? No, there's the fist, well, the head. The, yeah, I mean, Punisher's in charge right now but the dare- daredevil is also over the years been in charge of the hand before. right and he's taking care of his own ninja organization at this moment yeah. so we knew this was going to come eventually but there's something about this moment and the way that it comes in and the way that jesus saez draws it that to me it felt like this is the first time i've been excited seeing a character show up in another character's book in a very long time wow. and there's it's the simplicity of the paddle. It's the emotional weight of it. It's the inevitability of this happening. The And the fact that, like, Jason Aaron has kind of held off on it for six issues now, that makes it impact so hard that I absolutely love that. It was a great cliffhanger. made me completely salivate for the next issue. Yeah, that's a hard part is you've got to be like, oh, my God, I can't wait. But also what's cool is this this whole idea of, like, the Punisher going up against the God of War, and there's this talks of, you know, gods and devils and all this stuff, and then it's like the the way that they drop, like he has to have a deal with the devil, and then Daredevil show, uh, just ah, uh, just the way that that all landed and was kind of put before us, it was just such a master stroke. I, it's the, what's crazy about what's happening right now as a Punisher fan is like. I'm getting all this new stuff about this character that's been going on for years. So, like, I'm kind of beside myself because it's like part of me wants to just stop and process all this new stuff and what this means for the character. But then also, like, the fight that's currently going on, it's this uh, kind of the one-two punch that Jason Aaron keeps hitting on where I haven't been able to catch my breath on everything that is happening. And this buildup is just crazy and keeps building. Uh, I only have a month between information to really sit and process. You go into that cave that you live in, right? Where you just meditate on all of the plot points. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The Punisher cave. What, what's wrong with that? (laughs) Nothing. Nothing's wrong with it. It's, it's beautiful. Thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Golden Rage, number two from Image Comics, written by Chrissy Williams, art by Lauren Knight. In this issue, we're continuing to explore a world where menopausal women are exiled to a island to fight it out for dominance. Pete, bunch of grandmas fighting each other. What'd you think? I mean, this continues to be a ton of fun. I mean, the title alone, uh, if that doesn't bring a smile to your face, don't fucking pick up the book. You know what I mean? Um but yeah, I, I am very intrigued by what's happening right here. Amazing art. Uh, I'm a sucker for a map. You get the cool map at the end. Um, yeah, but here it's kind of like a little bit of a bitch planet meets Golden Girls situation. Um, oh, and one of those. 
Yeah, oh, one of that old chestnut. But I think it's uh, this is really creative and unique. I'm very much enjoying spending time with the different characters. Uh, this is cool. This is very cool. Yeah, I like how they're fleshing out the world. I'm curious to see how much they can maintain it and keep pushing it, but I think they will. So I'm excited to keep reading that. Let's talk about Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, number four from DC Comics, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Daniel Sempere. We are, even though it was spoiled by an issue earlier in the stack, we are getting to it here as the heroes from the Justice League have been revealed to be alive and in their own pocket universes. We find out why in this issue, and uh, there's some big ramifications for the DC Universe as a whole. What do you think about this one, Pete, now that we're finally past the Rubicon with the plot of the series? Well, yeah, that's the thing. It it seems to me like we're we're getting it keeps building and getting crazier and crazier. And this we kind of have this, uh, for lack of a better word, doublement world where everybody's got their mm-hmm. twin. Um, and uh, you know the cool bearded swamp thing that kind of looks like Skeletor blew my mind a little bit. Um, but yeah, I I I'm intrigued by everything that's happening. I'm kind of like, oh my god, this is so cool and geeking out. Amazing art. And it's always amazing to see the Hall of Doom. I'm a sucker for that anytime that shows up. So, uh, yeah, I'm uh, as much fun as I'm having with this. Uh, it's it's also uh, very interesting to see what's going to happen. I, I think I'm having fun with this now for the reason that I stated, which is that Finally, we know what the series is about. Now that we know that it's Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, they can get past it. They can stop playing coy about everything. We're getting the big battles. We're getting the big sacrifices. I'm curious to see where this keeps going, again, given that we know where it all ends up, thanks to Flashpoint Beyond. But I think Joshua Williamson is doing a really good job writing this big event. Daniel Samperi is doing some really good, really solid superhero art. And uh, the... I believe the two Swamp Things are Alec Holland and also the new guy who was in the Ram V series, the Ram V Mike Perkins series, but I, I could be wrong about that. Dude, it's, not, it's nothing better than a Swamp Thing beard, you know what I mean? Come on. Yeah, come on. Let's talk about another gr- big green person, She-Hulk, number six from Marvel, hey. written by Rainbow Rowell, art by Luca Maresca. In there. this issue, She-Hulk and Patsy Walker go on a fancy cake date, and then She-Hulk sets up uh, some new clients for her law service, and then some romantic things happen with Jack of Hearts. Uh, you know what? I'll tell you what. I Every issue of this book, I've said, really like what Rainbow Rowell does with the characters, always fun. Really like what's going on with the art. It's very uh, adorably done and well-drawn and uh, cute and fun, but there's not enough in every issue. This issue, finally, was a full meal for me. I loved everything that was going on here, had a great time, and ooh, Rainbow Rowell knows how to write a romantic scene, so I had a good time with that as well. Pete, what about you? Yeah, I mean, you know, you get enough of Awesome Andy in this, so that was great. Great. I mean, I, I yeah, this is a lot of fun. This is very much, uh, I, I like this kind of She-Hulk where we're having fun. She's making her own moves, kind of doing things that she wants to do. And, uh, yeah, the Jack of Hearts really seemed out of left field. 
But um, I, I was like, what? How did that feel? That's been building for six issues, right? Pete. Yeah, but I know. But like, I'm not I'm not talking about like in this series. Like, if you would have said to me, like, "Hey, Pete, guess what? In this She-Hulk series that's coming out, you're going to be all about Jack of Hearts <laughs> and She-Hulk." I'd be like, "Go fuck yourself." That doesn't sound like a good team up. But here I am in this issue, going, "Oh my god!" It's uh, it's it's great. What they're doing is just it's. Really fun, and I'm hoping that you know the TV show is going to be like this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Bringing a little bit of She-Hulk's kind of heart and uh, uh, stuff we know from the comics to the show, where because like right now the show is kind of all over the place. But uh, you know, where is this Pete uh, on our podcast? Who keeps what? being the She-Hulk defender? What's going on here? Well, someone has to defend the She-Hulk. Wow, the She-Hulk. <laughs> wow, a, a rare admission from Pete that he's trying to rile me and Justin up is I think what's <laughs> going on here. Uh, but I, I do agree with you. This is, it's funny, we've gotten, uh, not to get too much on a sidetrack, we've gotten a lot of criticism about the She-Hulk podcast, which I totally get because we're yelling at each other the entire time. But also people being like, have you guys never read a She-Hulk comic? Come on. It's always like this. And I'm like, no, I've read every She-Hulk comic. We've read all of them. We've read all of them. And my issue is it's not like those. (laughs) But anyway, this is not our Marvel Vision podcast. Why don't we move on and talk about Nice little plug. plug Once in Future, number 29 from Boom Studios, written by Karen Gillen, art by Dan Morrow. This is the penultimate issue of the book, Pete. It's the second last issue. And it's all going down here. As finally, it is revealed who can pull the sword out of the stone, who is going to be the true Arthur to lead England forward. And meanwhile, our grandma and grandson are going down to hell at the same time. What do you think, Pete? I mean, this is just, I mean, come on. This is so much fun and so just uh, unbelievable. Like the the insanity that is happening in this the art is bananas good. The storytelling is amazing. You got a badass grandmother. You got fun twists. Um, evil, evil knights all over the piece. Uh, kings dying. This is just epic, and I'm loving it. And I'm sad to seeing it uh, go, but I'm happy with how things are panning out so far. I know you're going to hate me saying this out loud, but after then don't say it. No, I'm going to say it anyway. After a bunch of issues where I enjoyed this title but really felt like it was spinning its wheels, we are finally getting to the end, and it's speeding up so exponentially in this issue. I was like, oh, okay, we're wrapping up all the stuff. Okay, here we go. Let's get to the final issue. But that's great. Like, I it love the beginning of the series. Felt like a lot of stuff happened over the past, I don't know, 10, 15 issues, something like that. But... That we're getting to it now is very fun. I'm excited to see how it wraps up. Do you up. think – I'm hoping the last issue is just like grandma. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. just all grandma. You know what I mean? Just like really just – I don't know. You should read a book called Golden Rage, Pete. I, just, I do. I'm just throwing that all, out there. All of them. Black Adam, The Justice Society Files, Adam Smasher, number one from DC Comics, written by Kevin Scott and Brian Q. Miller, art by Travis Mercer and Marco Santucci. They're continuing the prequel books that are leading into the Black Adam theatrical feature that's coming out in a few short months. Here we're focusing on the character Adam Smasher, played by 
Uh, Noah Centineo. <laughs> giant who, naked guy. Giant naked guy. I'll tell you what, the character of this book does not look like Noah Centineo, but I do nope. like Adam Smasher. And these books continue to be just great one-shots about Justice Society characters. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I... I uh... I think the art's really great here. I think, you know, the shock of, you know, a giant naked guy, whatever. But I think it's, uh, I'm interested to see. You've seen a lot, right, Pete? Yeah, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot. It's a lot of different shadows that are perfectly covering up junk. I just think it's one of those things where. Oh, I'm sorry. You wanted to see Adam Smasher's giant junk. Is that the issue here? No, I'm glad that there is in comics well timed little clouds that go by and yeah. cover things up. Uh, he's called Adam Smasher because he calls it the Adam Smasher when he thwonks somebody with his penis. You know what I'm talking about? I wish you wouldn't have done that. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I'm talking face? about? Do you know what I'm talking about, though? Yeah, I don't know if I was clear enough. Then. No, no, I got it. It I was very. It. it was like heavy with metaphor. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't at all. Yeah. Oh man, I really. Uh, I, I don't know about you. Anyway, fifteen years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I. I just. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it was all right. <laughs> 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 this hasn't been my favorite of all the one shots. I agree they've been great, but sure. this one was like eh, a giant naked guy, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I think just in terms of movie tie-ins, I'm surprised how solid they are every outing out because I can't be expecting it to be like a cash grab type thing. But Kevin right. Scott knows what he's doing. Brian Q. Miller and Marco Santucci, the backup stuff, know what they're doing. Um, so good stuff. Let's talk about Twig number five from Image Comics, written by Scotty Young, art by Carl Stram. This is the final issue of this book as Twig finally achieves his goal, or does he? Pete, take it away. Well, this has been just such a crazy, cool adventure that kind of has such a awesome and interesting twist as to kind of like what Twig is doing. You know what I mean? Like he's not the superhero. Hold, hold on. Just spoiler warning here, but go ahead. Oh yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. He's not the superhero. He's setting up uh, for the superhero, which was such a cool reveal and so awesome. And still just as gratifying as if we were watching the whole time, the, the mushroom King there with the sword at the end. But I just think, uh, Man, what a great idea. What how it's so well executed. I mean, the art, I mean, come on, the Scotty Young is writing it, but like you know if he's going to be a part of something, the art's going to be like epic and the world that has been created in this is just really impressive. The awe of some of these page spreads and the panels uh, the, that they're able to kind of encompass is really impressive what they're doing in this book. This is just really great. Uh, you know, people are always asking us, what's an all ages book that I can grade this right here. Unbelievable, really well executed. What a, what an arc and five issues. 
this is something to hold up to say this is great comics. I totally agree with you. Love the twist here. So much fun and really recontextualizes everything else that has happened in the book. Kyle Strab's art has been gorgeous and the character design throughout is gorgeous. Love the casual tone that Scotty Young brings to this huge adventure epic. Really enjoyed this book. Like you said, definitely check it out. Mind Management Bootleg number three from Dark Horse Comics, written by Matt Kent, art by David Rubin. In this issue, our new mind management team is finally together and fighting back against some big stuff that is going down in the world. Pete, take it away. Well, first off, I love the Bazooka Joe that they're starting each issues with uh, so, such a fun little uh, throwback moment. Uh, just awesome. I mean, the we start with an epic kind of sword fight and then kind of get into stuff. It's really tripped out and amazing in all the right ways. Um, I am having such a blast with this book. Um, and then... Uh, it's really kind of, you know, we were talking about the corporate kind of bullshit here in our uh, in our main Tuesday night podcast. But here's another kind of example of that. Uh, but just uh, this is such a cool, creative book that every time I pick up, I'm not sure what to expect, but it always delivers. I agree. Just really good across the board. All the material that is placed throughout the book is so good. I think of the three, my f the first issue is still my favorite, the one that Farrell Dalrymple did. But I love this project. I love how Matt Kent is putting it together. And if you've never read Mind Management before, you can jump right in with issue one. If you have read Mind Management before, which you should, this is mind-blowing for fans just having a great time reading It's this. just one of those things where I wish we could have had somebody on to talk to him about this book. Because we did. Is, we had we Matt was, Kent on the live show. We I talked to him. so many things that I would oh, love to talk God, to him about. Bit, it's too bad. Pain, that, that it. <laughs> like it's physically painful to me when you do this bit. <laughs> Batman number 127 from DC Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Jorge Menez and Bellin Ortega. The front story, Batman is dealing with Failsafe, the robot he created to take down himself. Back in the Tower of Babel days, if you remember that storyline from Justice League, the classic storyline where Batman was revealed had a failsafe to take down each member of the Justice League. Yeah, Here yeah. we get Superman asking, hey, what about you? Do you have something to take down you? Turns out he does in the most effed up Batman way possible. And what I love about this story that Chip Zdarsky is telling is you know Batman's not going to die. You know he's not going to lose. But, like, this is like the Punisher story that is really redefining Punisher. Maybe not as hardcore, but it's really bringing Batman to a point where, like, I don't know if Batman's going to get out of this one, you know? And, and that is a near-impossible place yeah. to get Batman to in a storyline, but they're really getting him here, and it's great to read. Yeah, it does. It, for me, it, it kind of brings me back to that uh, Batman Court of Owls where I was like, I don't know if Batman can get out of this, man. I don't know, man. Uh, but yeah, I this is intense, man. This is just really cool and very intense fun. 
Um, and it's over the top. It gets meta at some points. Uh, but I'm I'm still having a blast with this. And uh, hey, I I know this is weird, but check out Batman comics. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> pretty cool. It is ludicrous that there is so much Batman coming out of DC. <laughs> the fact that we start with a Batman, we have several Batman titles in between the stack, and we're going to end with a Batman story at the end. It's it should be too much, but they're all good. So yeah, I, I know, know that's how does it keep doing? It, it makes me a little annoyed, to be honest. What's crazy is they they make all these amazing Batman comics, and then they're like, "Well, oh, with the Batman movies, I don't know what we should do." Uh, you know? Yeah, well, should we greenlight another one? I don't know. <laughs> uh, the backup stories as well, really good. Great twist yes. here, the Catwoman yeah. story. Yeah, seems like we're going to be moving on to something new in the next issue, but very fun, very good. Let's talk about that. Texas Blood, number 17 for Image Comics, written by Chris Condon, art by Jacob Phillips. Back in the day, a serial killer is terrorizing our town. Here we're getting more of that story here. I continue to love this arc, just particularly Jacob Phillips' art here, the way these... Come on. The way the snowy background is playing against the blood and the grit of the serial killer is so good. I love delving into these characters. Really, really enjoying this. What about you, Pete? This is just like the the kind of the tension that a horror movie has in a comic book form. I mean, you're getting these still panels with the snow and then the approaching car where you're like, oh, shit. Uh, you know, it just kind of leaves you there. Um, yeah, just uh, so intense. This continues to just be an award-winning, impressive-as-fuck comic. And... Uh, uh, the juxtaposition of having this kind of like bad guy with a smiley kind of pumpkin face is such a fun, creepy choice. Uh, I'm worried. I'm worried about what's going to happen. But man, I'm every issue is a banger. The War, number four from Dark Horse Comics, written by Kevin Scott, art by Andres Ponce. This is, I believe, the final issue of this miniseries. Maybe it will continue. I hope so. But here we're getting a couple of medical cases that are happening. Some big changes come for the world by the end of the issue. And man, I'll tell you what, I was very bummed that this was the final issue for now, because this is like we talked to Kevin Scott about on our live show, pretty much in a unlimited concept. It's something that could just keep going forever. Such a great idea for a comic, for a TV show, anything. If you're looking for a supernatural fantasy inflected ER, this crushed it. And as is, pick up the first four issues, please, so we can get more. Um, it sucks when you you ruin my bit. You know what I mean with your intro like that. But oh, um, did I? Did I? Oh, did did I? Did, did I, I mention the fact that we was on the show? So you can't do that. Huh. You you review it. Huh. Um, uh, one of us went to Cornell. All right. So the ward <laughs> is. Uh, yeah, you want to talk about every issue being amazing? Such a cool idea. Uh, also, fun way to end it with their kind of like reveal to the world to save the day. And hey, you know what? Maybe in comics, at least people aren't assholes. So it gives us hope, man. It gives us hope that maybe we can be better. But yeah, I really loved this. It was such a great. I, I love all the different characters, the kind of ghost lady who runs it. It was so cool. I, I, yeah, just really fun. Great execution. Crazy stuff with the mom and her family in this issue. 
amazing art, well done story. Uh, please don't stop making this comic. This is really great. Thank you, Dark Horse, but more please. More please, Dark Horse, more. Sword of Azrael number two from DC Comics, written by Dan Waters, art by Nicola Sismeza. In this issue, Azrael has found a lady Azrael. Lady! Lady! That's definitely not what she's called, but she has gone through the same program as Azrael, and he is trying to take care of her. As you can imagine, things go horribly wrong by the end of the issue. I love... I'll say up front, Azrael is not a character that I care about at all. Like, that is not an era of Batman that I read at the time. Whenever he's popped up, I found him kind of annoying and weird. But I love what they're doing in this book. And I think a lot of that is down to the art that's kind of cartoony and exaggerated, but also really delves into the action. And at the same time, the way that Dan Waters is structuring it... It's really breaking apart what Azrael is or what he should be and reflecting it in a really interesting way. Uh, fun fact, when you said the title, I thought you were saying this is sort of Azrael. Um, but uh, yeah, a little bit. It's kind of like a. Th- this is really fun and also uh, uh, creatively. I love the art style with Azrael and what they were kind of doing with the colors and, and stuff. I, I thought it was really unique and different. Um, yeah, this. I. I. Uh, it kind of ends a little bit of a, a downer. Uh, but I thought this was such a cool, interesting story. And uh, yeah, uh, I was impressed with this. Let's talk about Survival Street, number two from Dark Horse Comics, written by James Asmus and Jim Festante, art by Able Kusinov. Now, this book is about a world where puppets are the only people fighting against the corporations that have taken over the world. And I'll tell Somebody's got to fight them. I've got a lot of questions about this, and I wish. We had somebody we could have talked to to ask the questions to, Pete, right? Yeah. If only we hosted some kind of podcast and talked to them about this comic book, we could get some answers. Anyway, James and Jib were on our live show this week, if you didn't check it out. But were we blowing smoke up their asses, or did we like this book, Pete? I don't blow smoke, man. Uh, I well, never mind. I, I think that. Uh, no, what this... were you going to say? Now I have to say what you were going to no, say. No, no, I don't. I don't. That's I don't blow fun. smoke. I I suck dick. Was the Whoa! Was say. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that that's not uh, anywhere near. That's where the classic expression. That is not a classic. Everybody expression. says that. Nope. Nope. Mm-hmm. Nope. Anyways, if we could please talk about this book because Absolutely it is great. Not. It's a great, it's a great <laughs> book, and I love the creativity behind this. I also love what they're saying. Uh, this is just a fun idea in a depressing world, and they're pulling it off. I mean, the art and the character design is really a lot of fun, even though it's dealing with depressive shit and uh, a world where the corporations take over. You know, um, Taco Bell doesn't win the fast food wars. Uh, you know what I mean? So, like, what's going on? So, yeah, I I am really impressed. Sorry, with this. just for people who don't know what you mean, you're talking about Demolition Man. Yeah, I mean, always. I'm always <laughs> talking about Demolition Man. <laughs> huh, I really got to listen back to our podcast because that yeah. might explain a lot. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. It definitely would explain something about the three seashells, I'd say. Oh, there it is. And we're done with the devilish. <laughs> That's all we got.
Oh, uh, Sandra Bullock, you're magic. Anyways, mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things where this is an impressive creator-owned uh, uh, mission that they set out to do that they're really accomplishing, and uh, it's impressive to see. So uh, please support it and get behind it because this is a cool project, and they're doing something really unique here. I'm really enjoying this as well. Like we talked about on the live show, I think it's really hard to do political commentary and comic books just based on the timing. But sadly, the stuff that they wrote months, if not years ago, is still relevant today. So in terms of that, it really hits the nail on the head, but also it's very funny and fun at the same time. I love the mythology stuff that they build out in this issue. So if you haven't checked it out yet, definitely do go check it out. Last but not and they least... Have- they have a comedy background, so that you know you're going to get some real stuff in here. There you go. Last but not least, Dark Knights of Steel: Tales from the Three Kingdoms, number one from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, Jay Kristoff, and C.S. Pocket, art by Casper Wingard, Sean Isaacs, and Michelle Banditti. As you can probably tell from the title, this is three stories from the world of the medieval DC universe. I don't know if it's medieval. It's a little later than that. But whatever it is, uh, we are focusing on the younger versions of these characters and focusing in on them. Um, I, I'll i tell you what. Oh, I was don't. a little... Well, no, 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 no. I was don't worried you? about this because Tom Taylor knocks it out of the park. Casper Wingard, who we know from Homesick Pilots, was the artist there. Phenomenal. So I was not worried about the first story, but I was worried about how a new team coming in would do on the second story and third story. I love them. Like all three of these stories were straight up bangers and captured the world. And if anything, the third story about the Bane type character mentoring a young Bruce Wayne was maybe my favorite thing of the entire issue. It was awesome. What about you, Pete? I agree. This was awesome. I read this and I was just like, wow, this is great fun. Uh, Amaze Bananas art. Just a really fun, <laughs> fun story. Great use of these characters. I It was so, uh, you know, we read so many comments. This was a refreshing read. Uh, I, I really had a blast with this. Yeah, really good stuff. And honestly, you could pick it up even if you haven't been reading the main title. Yeah, because yeah you they can. Are all just short stories. Obviously, they're going to tie in in some way to everything that's going on there. But if you want to read it as like an Elseworlds story about medieval DC universe, that's really all you need to know. And that's all you need to know for the stack as we're going to wrap up here. If you want to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast, and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the comic book shop. Or Taco Bell. Yeah. Uh, How do you use three seashells? Oh, come on, man.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.